have everyone here this morning. It's good to be in church again. Uh, I know we're missing some folks, but uh, some had already made other commitments and didn't realize. Um, and then some, uh, well, some have a new baby and that's been difficult for them and uh, other things like that. But it's good to have you all here. Good to have some visitors. I don't know about you, but I have gotten a lot out of the last few days. I have uh, it has just been such a blessing, and I'm excited about what God is going to do today, too, and what we're going to hear, what we're going to learn, and all that God is going to do. Uh, Sunday School was good. It, the video is on Facebook and will be put on YouTube as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so I didn't tell everybody that, but uh, we've gone multi-platform now, not multinational, multi-platform, and uh, so we now are... It takes me a day or so to pull the videos off of Facebook, but I'm putting the videos on YouTube and then the audio on uh, Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify right now. So it just makes it so if someone misses, they have the option to go back and listen. Facebook's not always the best uh, uh, the best source for that, I guess, not always the most uh, user-friendly for that functionality so youtube you can download spotify i believe you can i know apple Podcasts, you can so it's helpful and if you're driving down the road in the car you can listen to just audio through the radio instead of having to try to run a video and that could be dangerous uh watching a video while you're driving so helps out with that but um so the last several services are up there already <clears throat> i'll get today's on there tonight or tomorrow um, but it has been a blessing I've learned a lot, I pray others have learned a lot as well. Uh, lots of good notes to go back and, and review. And um, I don't know for certain yet what we'll do next year, but we've already got Brother Jeff lined up to come back next year the same week and uh, to do some more teaching on something. I just don't know yet what we'll have him teach on, preach on, uh, but it has been a blessing and, and uh, it is good for our church to have the opportunity to be challenged. Uh, you know, I think it stretches us intellectually. We learn things that maybe we've never heard before or that we've forgotten or that just strengthen our faith. And, you know, for us to, for us to know the word of God better, we have to trust that what we're actually investing in learning is in fact the word of God. And that's what this week has been about is uh, giving us the evidences to prayerfully increase our faith, help us to truly trust that what we have is the Bible. And uh, uh, watch this morning's message if you weren't able to be here, because that's addressed in First Corinthians, uh, no, First Thessalonians two thirteen. There we go. I think we got the reference right that time. So uh, it's good. But <clears throat> all right. So the only announcement I have, other than today after the service, we have lunch next door. There's, is it chicken or turkey? Pot pie. Chicken pot pie. There is uh, goulash. I'm just, what? There's lunch. We'll go with that. There is lunch next door. I'm not going to say what it is because I don't know. But there is food for lunch. So if you can stay for lunch, it'd be great. Afternoon service will be right after that. Uh, this next Sunday, we have the Harmony Hearts Ensemble coming. So. Uh, from Churchill Baptist. They're going to be with us. Um, so that'll be a blessing. And uh, we'll have them for both the morning and the afternoon service. So that'll be good. I think we'll enjoy that. And uh, I'll be preaching. I might have somebody else preach the afternoon service. But 
I'll preach in the morning and we'll go from there. But I think that is all I have for announcements. So, Caleb, come on down if you would. Want to pray for the offering, bud? Yes, sir. God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Uh, please give us a good service, Lord. Uh, please do, uh, speak to uh, Pastor Barrett, Lord, and uh, have him say what you want him to say, Lord. Please bless our hearts with the message, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. to 28 please and please stand with me if you can please stand with me 28 great is thy faithfulness amen please stay stand please stand with me as we sing as loud as we can Thine own 
praise the Lord. Thank you for your singing. We have a special, I believe at this time. Yes.
Brother Jeff, uh, if he would take the a couple minutes and just tell us a little bit about the Baptist History Preservation Society. So uh, it is what it sounds like it is. It is a group that he's, he started about 25 years ago, um, and the goal is, and what they're what they're working to accomplish is to preserve. The word of God. Or, I'm sorry, no, to preserve our Baptist history. God said he would preserve the word of God, but they're working to preserve our Baptist history. And we have a, a godly history, a godly heritage, and <clears throat> it is being removed from our history books. Our kids have no idea uh, about uh, the involvement of the Baptists, even just in American history. Um, touching on the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, um, the men who led our country. History books now tell you they're all paganists and they're all uh, deists and, and they, aren't, uh, they weren't born-again Christians and they won't tell you the involvement the Baptists had in those early days and throughout our history or the persecution that the Baptists experienced in the early days. That's just in the U.S. And uh, Brother Jeff and the Baptist History Preservation Society are working to preserve some of those things so that we do know, and uh, we can uh, be aware of those things and be familiar with that. So, uh, Brother Jeff, if you would take just a couple minutes, talk about that, and then preach for us. It's a privilege to be here at Bible Baptist Church, and I thank you for your attendance on the meeting. I know that you love the Word of God, you want to know more about it, and to comply with the preacher's request, we'll tell you a little bit about the Baptist History Preservation Society. It is a ministry of the church that I pastor there in North Carolina, and we have been actively involved for the last 25 years in preserving our heritage, and we do that in a variety of ways. I can remember learning about places near me that concerned our Baptist heritage and I'd never heard of them. So I got in the car, went there, was moved by what I saw and I thought, well, if this moves me, perhaps it will move others as well. And so we transitioned a yearly preacher's meeting at our church into a one-day Baptist history tour. And we took them to those places and they were moved as well. So we've made it an annual event. We just finished a couple of weeks ago our major Baptist history tour. We were in Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and we saw the sites there, graves of old Baptist, old meeting houses, things that have to do with our heritage. And it's a way of helping people to remember and to go on in the Baptist faith. Scripture says, mine eye affecteth mine heart. So we show them things that does have an effect on them. Usually, during a Baptist history tour, we unveil a monument. 
Now, there are three of those here in Maine, and perhaps you've seen uh, some of them, but they're eight feet tall, four feet wide, eight inches thick of granite. It's something that'll be there, Lord willing, until Jesus comes, and it calls attention to a particular servant of the Lord who labored faithfully in history as a Baptist or uh, an event or a place. We try to memorialize them. That's a scriptural thing to do. Joshua chapter 4, you find that. The Lord always called attention in his word to people and to places and to events. And so it's scriptural to do that. And we do want God to use it to be glorified. Uh, we commission paintings. And thank you for uh, displaying a print back here on the wall. That's a company of worshipers. It's a Texas Baptist scene. But we have eight paintings now that have been commissioned in prints of all of the paintings. And again, it's another way of acquainting people with their heritage. Some of those original paintings are in churches around the country, some at independent Baptist Bible colleges, so that they can get the most exposure. We collect books and writings of the Baptist. Our archives is in Knoxville, Tennessee, presently, and we have thousands of books, sermons, manuscripts. We have other memorabilia, collectibles from Baptist history that we have for people to use to learn. And, of course, travel and preach and teach on the subject of Baptist history. Those are a few of the things in which we are involved in. Uh, we ask that you pray that God would help us to continue to do things well and continue to do things for his glory and that it might affect future generations for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to do that. Daniel, chapter 10. Can I say yes, sir. Quick? Go ahead. So just real quick, um, next door there's a table set up with some information about the Baptist History Preservation Society. And... Uh, they now have a membership. Is that for anyone? Anyone. Anyone. Okay. So through their website, you can sign up to be a member of the Baptist History Preservation Society. As an individual, you can make a donation of any amount, any amount. That's kind of the beginner level. And then there's multiple tiers. And then there's organization multiple tiers for like a church or something to that effect. So I encourage everyone. There's some bookmarks over there. Those are free. Mm -hmm. And that has all the information to be able to go on the website. I encourage you to check it out. Um, I also want to tell you, if I didn't already, someone from my brother's church when we were there the other night bought for our church the rest of the paintings, the prints. So we had one. I had bought one last week that's being framed now. And we've got the other six that hopefully over time we'll pick away at having those framed and uh, we'll get them out on display. So I just wanted to share, you know, Brother Jeff knows that he can't keep this going forever. So they're starting to put some things in place to try to keep this Baptist History Preservation Society going in the future. So they're going to have a, a museum down in North Carolina. About five years is, is the goal. And uh, the information is there, and he wants to get it in everyone's hands and make it available for everyone. But also, um, they need support. So I want to put that out there. Check it out. Uh, it's, a, it's a blessing. So, all right. Thank you, brother. And that is dot com. That information is on the table over there. But uh, Daniel chapter 10 is where our scripture reading will come from. Thanks again for the good singing, the good
food that we have enjoyed, the good meetings, and look forward to uh, to eating after the service today. So uh, we'll enjoy a good time of fellowship. Amen. Thanks for uh, my favorite hymn, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. I mentioned the Sunday school time. There is a fourth verse that Robert Robinson penned, and uh, you might be interested in it. So here we go. Amen. Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Clothed then in blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry, catch my ransom soul away, even so, Lord, come and carry me to realms of endless day. And I don't know why they left that verse out, but anyway, I love the song. Just had to leave that with you. Uh, Daniel chapter 10. Verse 19, well, verse 18, Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man. And he strengthened me, and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. Lord, it's good to be here. We're grateful for the opportunity. Speak to us through your word this morning. Help me, God. Bring things to Remembrance that need to be said. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 21 is the first time in Scripture that the word Scripture is used. Here's your first mention. And it's just like your King James Bible to define itself uh, right here. The Bible says, but I will show thee that which is noted in the Scripture of truth. What is Scripture? It's truth. That's what the Bible says. John 17, verse 17, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. So the scripture of truth is mentioned here. We know that everything in the book is truth. There's no error in this Bible. And how did we get it? And what books belong in the scripture? And so we'll talk with you this morning about the canon of scripture. And canon simply means the book. And, of course, what books belong in the Bible? Why, well, you know that there are 66 books that make up the Word of God, 39 in the Old and 27 in the New. And so when we talk about the canon, that's what we're talking about. 
those books that belong in Scripture. And when we think of the Old Testament, we're talking about the books that have been accepted by Jews for centuries before Jesus' incarnation. And Jesus then recognizes those books. Now there have been, you can be turning with me to Matthew chapter 23, there have been people who have written concerning the canon of scripture, what books belong in the Bible. There are some who will cast doubt on the books that are in your Bible and say they don't belong. There are others who will try to tell you, oh, there are some lost books of the Bible. That's a lie. None of the books have been lost. Uh, they will try to tell you that uh, there are books that need to be in the canon of Scripture uh, that have long ago been rejected. Uh, Roman Catholicism held a council. Always be careful of councils in history because a council on the Word of God always meant persecution for Jesus and his followers. Right. And uh, they said, here's what belongs in the book. But folks... You know what belongs in the book because the book itself tells you. Mm -hmm. And here in Matthew chapter 23, beginning with verse 34, Jesus is speaking and he says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily, I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. So here Jesus is talking to the Jews, and he's telling them what shall happen to them, but in so doing, he also establishes the Old Testament canon. He references it, references it here in verse 35. And if I were to ask you, in what book was the blood of righteous Abel shed? What would you say? Genesis. How, that's the first book of the Bible. And if I were to ask you, uh, and don't answer quickly, if I were to ask you, in what book was the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechias, um, shed? The answer to that is Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Now it's interesting. What Jesus is doing is showing you the exact canon of the Old Testament Scripture. For you see, the same 39 books that we have in our Old Testament, the Jews have in their Bible. But their Bible begins with Genesis and ends with Second Chronicles. They have them in a different order. And Jesus is showing you the canon. He's referencing every bit from this blood to this blood, uh, from Genesis to Second Chronicles. So it's a way of recognizing the canon of Scripture. You go to Luke chapter 24. In Luke 24, we've been talking about the King James Bible, and uh, we have talked about what underlies it as far as languages and manuscripts and what went into the translation of it. And so we're just talking about the Bible itself this morning. In Luke chapter 24, after the Lord Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, he's had his walk with the men uh, to Emmaus. And in verse 44 then, after he appears to the disciples, he, and he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, 
that all things must be filled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And then he opened, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. What scriptures? The law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And when Jesus references these three, the law, he's referencing five books. The prophets, he's referencing 29 books. And the Psalms, he's referencing another five books. That's 39 books right there. And not one time does he reference the Apocrypha. Not, in fact, not one time in the Old or New Testament is that referenced at all, right. uh, which tells you that it was not a part of Scripture. And uh, here, Jesus talks about the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms, and this is not the only place. He would often, and the Scripture would often, uh, lump them together to give you uh, an idea that this was what was part of the Old Testament. In fact, you'll find that same thing. I know you can't write them down, but here they are. You can go back and listen. Matthew 5, 17, Matthew 7, 12, Matthew 11, 13, Matthew 22, 40, Luke 16, 16, here in Luke 24, verse 44, John 1, 45, Acts 7, 51 through 53, Acts 13, 15, Acts 24, 14, and Romans 3, 21. And so all of those verses are establishing the canon of Scripture as far as the Old Testament is concerned just by referencing the Law and the Prophets mm -hmm. and uh, the Psalms. And we look to Acts chapter 7. We'll read one of those other passages, Acts chapter 7. This is at the end of the message preached by Stephen. And uh, by the way, uh, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, while he is preaching before the council, references over 100 verses of Scripture. 100 different yeah. verses that he references there. And over 30 chapters in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. All of those references tell you that this is what was part of Scripture. Because it's what's being referenced. And in verse 51... Uh, when he ends this message, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. So he's already preached from the law and the prophets, and now he references the law and the prophets in these three verses and makes this interesting comment, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. Now that's not some mystical thing. The Holy Ghost is not just hovering and we're, we've got our hands up resisting. No, that's not how it's done. Now you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always re resist the Holy Ghost. You know how you resist the Holy Ghost? When you resist the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Mm. That's how You do it with your ears and with your heart. Mm. And that's the only, it's not some mystical thing. That's what happens. And we've all been guilty of it at times. Yeah. Because that's what the Holy Ghost does. The sword of the Spirit, that's the Word of God. The Holy Ghost is sent to guide us into all truths. And when we resist the Holy Ghost, it is simply resisting the word preached 
and taught. And so we shouldn't be guilty of that. Uh, the New Testament books then, uh, John 17, verse 8. John 17, verse 8. Now you might have a Bible that has the words of Christ when he was that he spoke while he was upon the earth in red. And that's what that's all about. We know that every single word in all of the book is from him. He is the author. But it just indicates what he spoke on while he was on this earth, during his earthly ministry at least, what was recorded for us. I'm sure he spoke much more. And in fact, the world could not contain the volumes if it was all recorded. John 17 and verse 8 for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Send me. So the words which Jesus spake on this earth, he says they were from the Father. And so he is establishing, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is establishing all of what he spake as being part of Scripture, as being Scripture. So, John chapter 17, then we go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And here we find information about the epistles of the Apostle Paul. In 2 Peter 3, verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that Ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So the apostle Paul wrote what was given unto him. He didn't he didn't come up with it on his own. He didn't interject his own thoughts, opinions, or personalities. It was given unto him. Verse 16, as also in all his epistles. Now the Bible's going to say something here about all his epistles. Every one of them. Mm -hmm. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. The other scriptures. So, all of his epistles then are part of scripture. Here are the epistles of the apostle and then the other scriptures. So the Bible is telling us here in the book of Second Peter that everything that the apostle Paul penned mm -hmm. was scripture. And again, he penned it as the Lord gave it to him. Amen. Now, how is this proven? We look over into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The things that we know about the canon of Scripture, what belongs in the canon of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is a very familiar passage in God's Word. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And the Bible says in verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, 
neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now think with me for just a minute. But as it is written, the Apostle Paul's reference in Scripture from Isaiah 64 and verse 4, what that does is tell you that what he's referenced is Scripture. And what we just read over in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3 is that everything that God gave to the Apostle Paul to pen is Scripture. So this is Scripture, and he is referring to Scripture. You see how the Bible goes back and forth and helps to establish it as the word of God. And we'll read verse 9 again. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Well, where did he reveal them? In the book. Right. There's no special or unique revelation. The Apostle Paul didn't get something that we don't have. And no one else has gotten any special revelation. This doesn't mean that we're, uh, we're lying in the bed at night about to drift off asleep and we see visions of heaven. That's not what the scripture is talking about. What it's talking about is that the scripture, the spirit of God has revealed everything that God wants us to know about heaven now in scripture. Yeah. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, say the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. What's freely given to us? It's his word. And the Spirit helps us to know those things. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Amen. And what is it that the Holy Ghost uses to teach us? The Bible said there in John chapters 14 through 16 that the Spirit of God, the Comforter, also called the Spirit of Truth, that he would guide us into all truth. And uh, that's what the Holy Ghost teaches us with. It's with his word. And we don't get any extra biblical revelation. Right. We're not going to get anything from uh, God that he didn't give us in his word. It's amazing. You hear preachers, televangelists, radio preachers, uh, you hear them say, God showed me. God told me. God spoke to me. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Unless it's through this book. Yep. And if it's not according to this book, then don't listen to it. And uh, the natural man. Now, how does the natural man prove things? According to science. What's the method? This is it. Uh, he starts with a question. Well, I wonder how this works. Or I wonder if this can be done. Then he does some research. And after he's done enough research, he sets forth a hypothesis. And here he's trying to say, this is what we believe is right, and we're trying to prove what is right. And once he sets forth the hypothesis, he will conduct experiments. And he'll see if what he thinks should happen will happen. Mm -hmm. And they'll do experiment after experiment after experiment after experiment, and then they'll reach their conclusion. That's the scientific method of research. 
It's what happened when the light bulb was invented. It's what happened when they came up with aspirin. It's, it's what happened in any invention. Mm -hmm. Somebody got the idea and they did the research. They set forth what they wanted to do, did the experiments, and here it is. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. It is. Now, the problem is... It, uh, what they do doesn't always work 100% of the time. Right. That's the reason why whenever they're advertising medication that you usually hear this as a disclaimer. Now, this medication, it's going to help the, the problem that you have, but it may cause, it may cause uh, sickness, allergy, um, diarrhea, constipation, uh, heart problems, kidney failure, um, lung disease, or death. Yes. <laughs> that gives you a lot of confidence in that medication, doesn't it? That's what they, why do they have to tell you that? Because the experiment didn't work 100% of the time. Most of the time. And usually most of the time when we partake of the medication, it does what it's supposed to do. But there are those instances. But see, it's not that way with God's word. That's the way it is with the scientific method, but not the scriptural method. You see, there is internal evidence that tells us what is scripture and what is not. Right. And it never varies. Mm -hmm. Never. Not once does it vary. It always comes out the same way. Mm -hmm. And the result is that the word of God always has been perfect and always will be perfect. Amen. And... Uh, it doesn't cause any of those bad effects, <laughs> only good effects. Yeah. The Old Testament, it's cited nearly 300 times in the New Testament. Look with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And here in one chapter alone, Matthew chapter 12, notice how many times the Old Testament is referenced. Uh, there in... Verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets, here you go again, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. This is Elias. There's an Old Testament character. It's an Old Testament reference to the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And, uh, well, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong place. Matthew chapter 12, if I get over to 12 instead of 11, look at verse um, 3. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was unhungered? And they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest. That's from 1 Samuel Chapter 21, verse 5, Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? That's from Numbers 28. You look down to verse 14, Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, and this is from Isaiah 42, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment 
to the Gentiles. Again, Isaiah 42, and that, it's, that it might be fulfilled. And notice, anytime you have uh, uh, him that hath ears to hear, hear uh, it is written that it might be fulfilled, those type things, it's going to reference you to an Old Testament passage of Scripture. And what should you do? You should go back and read the reference. It'll help you to understand. Uh, the Bible says in uh, verse 30 of Matthew chapter 12, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Verse 29 said, Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. That's a reference to Isaiah 49, 25, Jeremiah 31, 11. The strong man is, now you can make a practical application and say, if a thief is breaking into your house, he's got to bind the man before he can spoil the house. But it's actually a reference to Satan. Mm -hmm. Satan is a strong man, and the Lord Jesus Christ will bind him. That's what Isaiah 49 and Jeremiah 31 uh, tell us in uh, verse uh, 39. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he's referencing the book of Jonah. In verse 41, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation, shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. Behold, a greater than Jonas is here, the queen of the south. Here we go. Shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. That's Second Chronicles chapter 9. So just in one chapter. You're going to have reference 1 Samuel 21, Numbers 28, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, Jeremiah 31, the book of Jonah, 2 Chronicles chapter 9, 7, separate Old Testament references in each one of them. Now, they're there telling the story. They're there to provide the illustration. They're there to give the truth. But each one of them also is upholding what's part of the canon of Scripture. And uh, that's a blessing. We find in addition to just the Scriptures cited that there are names. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 is going to mention many names from the Old Testament as being part of the Hall of Faith. Mm -hmm. And each of those names is in a particular place in the Old Testament, and the mention of the name itself is not only telling you that that person was a person of faith, but it's telling you that where that's referenced is part of the Old Testament canon of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, remember in John 5, 39, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. <laughs> yeah. And he was talking about the Old Testament mm -hmm. at the time. And so we reference those things. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 34. We talk about the New Testament. And the Bible says, All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And where was that reference? It was from the 78th Psalm. Turn with me to Psalm 78 
And you again will see how the Old and New Testament work together. Psalm 78, the Bible tells us in verses 1 and 2, Give ear, O my people, to my law, and climb your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which ye we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praise of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. So Psalm 78 is what Jesus references or what the word of God references in Matthew chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And Jesus speaking in parables there in Matthew chapter 13 was a fulfillment of prophecy in Psalm 78. And then, of course, when it's mentioned in Matthew chapter 13, then it's given credibility to the psalm where it had been prophesied. So one says, here's what Jesus is going to do. And when Jesus does it, it's a fulfillment of where it was originally spoken. So the Old Testament is verifying the New Testament canon. And the, the New Testament is verifying the Old Testament yeah. canon. And so that happens over and over again. First Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians chapter 7. And remember... This is one of those books which the Apostle Paul was moved to pen. So we already know it's scripture. Uh, we uh, saw that in 2 Peter chapter 3. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife, but to the rest speak I. Not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And so in those few verses, uh, people get this, this confused. But it's not confusing if you just understand that this is Scripture, and the Spirit of God is moving the Apostle Paul to pen these words. And so verse 10, and unto the married I command, what's well, Scripture? There's the command. Yet not I. But the Lord. Well, what's that mean? That what he's about to say, let not the wife depart from her husband, he is, the scripture is just repeating what the Lord already said in Matthew chapter 19. Yet not I, but the Lord. Now it's being repeated here. And then in verse 12, but to the rest speak I, not the Lord. So now you're going to get information which the Spirit of God is revealing for the first time uh, concerning this subject to the Apostle Paul, and it was something that the Lord, while he was here on this earth, did not see fit to cover. And, uh, of course, uh, that's what you see. You've got it again, establishing Scripture. Uh, yet not I, but the Lord. What the Lord said is being established here in Scripture as Scripture. It's internal evidence. We don't need some man in some council uh, 1,000 years ago telling us what's in the canon of Scripture. If we know the Scriptures, we see it. And uh, But to the rest, speak I, not the Lord. Does this mean that the Lord uh, didn't give it to him? No. It means the Lord didn't speak it when he was on the earth. But now he has received it from the Lord, and so it's going to be written. And uh, 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 23. 
For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. For I, now we know it's scripture. Scripture's already said that it's scripture. But here, the apostle Paul is being moved to say, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. So what's being said here is what he got from the Lord. And we know that it is scripture. You look over into the book of Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And we're just giving you some. There are hundreds and hundreds of references along the same line. But we're just giving you some of this morning. Hopefully to help your belief and your trust and your confidence in the scripture that you use. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. So what you're about to get in the book of Revelation is from Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ gave this revelation unto John to pen. And this is the, the last book then, Revelation, that is part of the canon of Scripture. Right at the end of the first century is when it was given. And so uh, we, we find prophecy that is given in the Old Testament, and then it shows where it's fulfilled in the New Testament, such as the birth of Jesus, such as where he was born. That is a fulfillment of prophecy, which means that it says that's true. If it's fulfilled as it says, that means what was said was true. It means the prophet was actually a true prophet. But it's also establishing that as part of the canon of the scripture. And then the fulfillment itself, where it's recorded, is also uh, a part of the canon of scripture. And so this book is God's book. It doesn't work like any other book. It is a supernatural book. Amen. Man cannot explain it. So he tries to deny it. Yeah. Tries to say, I, I don't believe it. Man saying that he doesn't believe it will not make it any less true. Right. Man refusing to accept it does not make the word of God in error. Right. What it does is proves that the man is ignorant and filled with unbelief. But there's still time to change. I'm sure that all you who are seated here this morning believe the word of God. And we should believe it and stand upon it. Maybe some listening. Perhaps you believe the word of God too. Maybe you're a skeptic. But God has given you his word. There's no excuse for not believing it. There's no excuse for someone in this day for not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And uh, I encourage you, you have a perfect Bible, this King James Bible, to believe it, believe it, study it, stand on it, preach it, teach it, live it. Preach it. Praise the Lord. That's good stuff. Did you follow all that? <laughs> we got it on video. <laughs> It'll be available to go back and review some of the uh some of those references and stuff but 
Well, that's it. It's just further evident, but it's evident, as Brother Jeff said, internal evidence in the Bible where you can look in one place, and if anyone questions whether or not it's true or it's accurate, you can go back to the Old Testament or vice versa, and you can see where they complete each other. One was prophecy, one was fulfillment, and like he said, they back each other up. So we know that it's true. If somebody said something thousands of years or hundreds of years before it happens, and it happens, it's pretty good evidence that what they said was true, right? And they knew something while they were alive, or at least wrote something while they were alive. They probably didn't even know, in many cases, what, what it meant that they were writing. In fact, we know in some cases they didn't, and yet it was fulfilled. They had no idea what they were even writing, but God told them to write it. They wrote it. God did it hundreds of years later. It's just incredible. It's incredible. Mm. And uh, our Bible has preserved all that. God has preserved all that in our Bible. Uh, but not all Bibles are the same. Not all Bibles are the same. They don't all record all that for us. So it's just incredible. It's good stuff. And uh, it's a blessing. So lunch is ready, I believe. Uh, sure it is. And we can fellowship, have a meal. And then we have the afternoon. Uh, one more lesson, one more message uh, that God has for us. And uh, it's going to be good. I think I think we're going to be looking at some more of the scripture, the verses, comparisons of the King James, and then side by side with some other translations. And it's a blessing. You know, can I just say this quickly? There are books written, and uh, well, there are preachers that preach in what's called a parallel Bible, and it's two versions side by side in in their Bibles, uh, and they they do that so they can tell you what two different translations. I think there's some that have even more than that, more than two translations. They can tell you what multiple translations say. And that's dangerous because what, do we, what does man do in that instance? Well, in this translation, I like how it says it. Well, what's wrong with how God said it? <laughs> Why do we think that we need to tell you how, what I like the wording to be and not be satisfied with what God's wording is? Um, there are books that are written that have searched out dozens of translations in order to say what they want to say and try to use what they're calling scripture to support what they want to say because God didn't say it the way they wanted it said or didn't support what they want to say so they give it it's just crazy it's crazy so I'm thankful that we know what we have is the word of God and we can believe it we can study it we can preach and teach it and it can effectually work in us as it says in First First uh, Thessalonians two thirteen, there we go. Effectually works in us. Brother Jeff said earlier, the Word of God doesn't impact us. Impact is a collision, and it, it causes damage, and it's external. You know, it's a common thing people say. Well, the Word of God impacted me, or that message impacted me. Well, it it may have produced an external change. A lot of times, it's temporary. It doesn't last. The Bible says in First. Thessalonians 2.13, that it effectually worketh in us. And the qualification was, it effectually worketh in those that received it as it is in truth, the word of God, not the word of men. So if we want the word of God to work in us and to produce that inner change that God wants to do, we've got to first believe that it is in fact the word of God. And if we question or doubt that, it's not going to affect us the way that God wants to. So just some really good stuff that we got today so far. Looking forward to this afternoon. Let's go ahead and pray. I'll pray and bless the food. We'll dismiss and fellowship and uh, enjoy some time together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for what we've learned so far this week. Thank you for this morning's uh, message, Lord, and seeing all these internal evidences of the word of God, supporting the word of God, of the uh, canon of scripture being uh, declared not by men who decided what belongs, but by you who show us within the pages of your word what, what in fact does belong. Lord, you are so faithful. You are so good. And I'm thankful that uh, we can look into the pages of your word and see how it supports, defines, and defends itself. Father, we just thank you for your love for us. Thank you for all you do for us. Bless the food to our bodies next door. Bless the fellowship. Lord, give us a good rest of our day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.